Good morning. It's Christmas time. Are you guys feeling it? But here's what we're going to do. I want to jump right into what we're going to do today. And I want to read a text that um, Christians are reading all around the world today um, as they gather in this season of Advent. But before I do that, I want to, uh, I want to light our candles. Um, this was our candle of hope, which we lit the first week of Advent. And by the way, um, what I love about lighting candles is just how you know, a simple breeze or someone blowing on it would put it out. But at the very same time, this flame could set the world on fire, right? Um, we had a pastor uh, years ago when I was a kid. He backed into it and it caught his jacket on fire. So um, that could happen. But that is the candle of hope that I would not light anything on fire. Um, this is the candle of peace that we lit last week. And then this morning, I want to light another candle, which is the candle of love. And our focus this morning is going to be coming to these tables to receive this gift that God gives the world in this person of Christ. And I think it's the most beautiful example of love. And in the same way, love could be something that is evasive and hard to experience and know. Some of us in here have have had love that we've pursued and lost, or love that we pursued and were rejected. So love in some way could be evasive, but also love could set the world on fire. And so God comes in just this simple way in this human body, comes as a baby, and then this human being gives his life in some way that has forever changed the world. And so we're going to, our focus this morning, our center point is going to be coming to these tables. And then uh, on next Sunday, we're not going to be gathering in here, but we'll be meeting at the Bellevue Community Center, and we're going to light the candle of joy. We've been waiting to get to this candle. So it's going to be all joy on Christmas Eve, and then we're going to light this center candle, which is the candle of Christ. But let me read this text to you that folks are reading all around the world, and then um, I want us to not only hear their story, but I want us to hear our story in their story. But here's the text. It's found out of Isaiah. Uh, chapter 61, and this is a prophet who is speaking about this new king that's going to come to the world and is going to change everything. And so this is thousands and thousands of years before Christ actually came to earth, and these people are beginning to hope for this Christ. But here's what this prophet Isaiah says. And by the way, there's some debate there is the first Isaiah, the second Isaiah, or some, someone that was the friend, a friend of Isaiah. So the scholars debate, like these, this whole book is broken down in different ways. At the very beginning, it, it, pretty certain it is the voice of Isaiah, but later on, as generations went on, it's people that are speaking on behalf of this prophet. So uh, we don't need to figure all that out today. So, but let me, let me begin reading this to you. 61. Of Isaiah. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So this prophet is saying there's good news coming to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And as you're listening to this, it's probably going to stir up some words that you were familiar with somewhere else. We'll see if you guys know who else uh, proclaim this. To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness Uh, for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
and the vengeance, the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Okay, so when I was reading the first part of this that was saying, um, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news and to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom of God. Who did that sound like? Where have we heard that before? Anyone want to take a guess? The Gospel of Luke. And uh, the Gospel of Luke has Jesus repeating these words. So this prophet here thousands of years before Jesus is saying this, there's going to be this king that's coming. And then we have in the Gospel of Luke, the writer of Luke saying, Jesus is proclaiming these words, um, this coming king that we have been prophesying about. Okay, so now how does this, how does this relate to us? That's what I want to focus on just for a few minutes. Because here's what I do not think is our biggest challenge. Hear me on this. I don't think our biggest challenge in the holiday season is bickering and arguing over who says happy holidays and who says Merry Christmas. I don't think that is the biggest struggle. I don't think that's the fight we should be in. Um, and if you get all worked up over that, please come see me. We could talk about it. Maybe we all find some peace because I really don't think that's the thing that we should be using our energy on in this season. And I honestly don't think this season is, we should be overly focused on the consumerism of it or the giving of gifts because here's what I've been witnessing this season. I got to be careful when I'm backing up here. I do not want to light myself on fire. Um, in fact, let me slide this back. <laughs> um, I talked about my pastor friend. I may end up just like him. Um, I've actually been inspired in this season just to see the, the, the giving nature of people. I don't know if you've seen it, but um, with a tornado, there was a fire in, um, up in North Nashville for this organization that was giving gifts. Did you guys see that on the news? And they, everything was burned and people provided all those gifts. So we can, we can make that argument, but let's, let's not waste any time on that. Can I tell you what I think the biggest challenge of people like me and you are or is? It's that we won't take the time in this season to really get in touch with what our true longing and desire is. Because that's what this season is about. And I'm not talking about selfish longing or desire, because that's part of us too. Um, You could even say that there is sinful longing and desire that leads to destructiveness. I'm talking about something deeper and more beautiful. I think one of our biggest challenges is that we would go through this season of Advent and not really understand what our deepest longing is and the best kind of longing and desire in our hearts. So the gift of the church world and liturgical world that we're living in is that we have a place to actually think about that and to pause and process that. That's where I think we should focus our energy. So I think our greatest danger is we just might be too distracted to actually take away from this season all that it was meant to give us as a gift. Um, And by the way, I was trying to think of ways that we're distracted. I don't know if any, any, some of you 
maybe are too young to remember this. Some of you maybe don't even watch Discovery Channel. But uh, there was a show called, um, oh, what was it called? Um, I didn't know I was pregnant. Anyone, has anyone seen that? I'm like, you talk about being distracted. Like, how do you go nine months and not know you're pregnant? And now listen, by the way, I know there are probably biological reasons and maybe underlying health reasons where someone could go through that and not be fully aware that they're pregnant. But how about a whole show on women going nine months, walking through Target and going, I don't feel so good. Boom, here's a baby. And I didn't know I was pregnant. I was like, how in the world does that happen in the world we live in today? Like that is absolutely fascinating to me. And then, so I, I, I kind of remember this and I jumped on the internet this week and I was looking at it and you guys, they have another show in 2015 because this was like back in the early 2000s and it's women who didn't know they were pregnant and now they got a show, it's called I Still Didn't Know I Was Pregnant. It's happened to them a second time. Like how does that happen? Um, that might be the the greatest example of distraction that I could come up with. But the truth is, is that you and I have distractions. And this season was designed for us to rid ourselves of some of the selfish desires, some of the longings of our heart that are sinful and destructive and do damage to ourselves and do damage to others, and hang in and get to the deeper, more beautiful places of desire that I would argue where God's at work in us and if we would allow him to be at work in us he would be more beautifully at work in the world around us and it could start in our homes it could start in our the city the community that we live in so let me back up because I read you a text and and we could read that and go what like what does that have to do with me Um, I want to do just a real quick Old Testament survey and, and something that I've learned just recently that I think could be really helpful to us. What does this, two-thirds of the Bible is these old scriptures before Jesus came and people trying to relate to God, talking about this coming king and this coming Messiah that is going to set the world right and two-thirds of our Bible is that. And let's be honest, it's the two-thirds that most of us avoid, Right? Because sometimes it just doesn't make sense to us. And it seems like it's coming from another world in another time, which it is. It's ancient. But let me simplify it. Um, and, and if you like something more deep, then we can have a conversation after. Let me simplify it for myself and for all of us here. It's simply this. It is a story. And there's really two things you find in the Old Testament. It's a people who, not by their own doing, but find themselves um, in slavery to Egypt. And God has this group of people who says, you're going to be my people, you're going to be my nation. And the next thing they know, they are, you know, not living like that at all. And they find themselves under this oppressive um, leadership of Pharaoh, and he's just misusing people, turning them into slaves, making bricks, building his kingdom and whatever he wanted. And yet God comes to this group of people and says, I'm going to set you free and I'm going to give you freedom, and you're going to be my people. So the scriptures, the central character in these two-thirds of the Old Testament, two-thirds of the Hebrew scripture, it's the central character is God, but the other central character is Israel, the people of God. Now, it's a long way there, but we're connected to them, and we are the people of God too. But the second part of that, the one we're not as comfortable with, because we all love a story 
of someone who was wrongly treated and justice comes and they're set free and go, look at that bad Pharaoh, look at that bad Egypt. We love to hear stories of that. But here's the one that's less common, but it's the second part of this Old Testament story. And it's people who are given freedom and then what do they do with their freedom? Hundreds and thousands of years later, they're misusing the freedom that was given to them by God and now they are becoming the oppressors. They are doing the very same things to other people, not living up to what God had called them to be. And in here, this prophet says, um, I'm proclaiming good news for the poor. Because when God said, We're, I'm going to make you a great nation of people, one of the things he, he, he had given them to do is I'm going to make you a blessing to everyone. And you are going to care for the poor. You're going to care for the widow. You're going to care for the things around your world where others seem to be overlooked. And then there's this period of time with their freedom. What are they doing? They're more focused on themselves. And now they're keeping this blessing just for them, and they've forgotten the gift that they were given freedom for. So, is that just a story about people, ancient people thousands of years ago? Yes. Is it the story of how maybe we use our freedom? How when we're given moments of living free, what we use it for? Yeah, this story is about us. And there was a, um, a book I read uh, just years ago that it's called The Holy Longing. And um, it's Father uh, Ronald Rollheiser. And he says this, and he says, our spirituality is what we do with our desire. Do you realize we all have a fire inside of us? And I'm talking about the best part of you. We have a fire that can be destructive. Yes. We have a fire if we trust particular desires that they will hurt ourselves and they will hurt others. But there's this more beautiful, um, amazing fire that is going to uh, unleash the life of God in you so that you can find more of what it means to live more fully and joyfully and freer. Here's what I'm learning in this Advent season. Because I've been praying for Christ to come to me. That's what Advent is. It's this arrival. It's this coming of Christ. Not just in history, but coming to this moment. And so I've been very attentive. I've been inviting us. What is that holy longing? What is that desire that you have right now? And um, for me, it was some very specific things. And I'll, I'll tell you in just a moment, I've been surprised and I want to I I testify to some of the ways that Christ has been present. But let's just stay here for just a moment. What is that holy desire in you? Do you know what it is? The best part of it? The part that not only brings you more health, but helps heal the world around you? We all have it, but have you taken the time to maybe think about that or to, or to get in touch with that? So there are these trivial desires that we have, you guys. Selfish, sinful, destructive. But then there's these deeper desires that pull us toward love and God and healing and reconciliation. Um, that's what I'm hoping we're going to be in touch with. So I was thinking about this this week. Why do we desire what we desire? Did you ever think about that? Whether it's good or something that's not so good? Did you ever think about why you desire what you desire? Um, for those of us that have done any, any work around addiction, um, that's a very central way that we actually get to why are we suffering from this addiction. Well, we all have some kind of addiction. We all have something that is unhealthy that we tend to lean toward. But there was this social scientist 
named Rene Girard, and here's what he said. He came up with this thing called um, mimetic desire. Now, it may sound like a new word to you, but think about, um, think about it in this way, a mime, someone that mimics something for us. And here's what he said, and this is kind of what he thinks is happening when he thinks about the social science of how this works in human beings and how we desire what they desire. We desire what we desire because we desire what other people desire. And he calls it the mimetic desire, that all of us have maybe a friend that we look up to in some way, and they have something that we want. Or maybe there's uh, someone we don't know. Maybe it's a, um, you know, it's a pro athlete, or it's you know, someone, some celebrity or something. And so he's kind of narrowed it down that human beings desire what they desire through this thing called mimetic desire. Think about that. Think just about how crazy that is. We think we're free to desire what we want, and what they're discovering in some of the social science is that we're not really as free as we think. That we're really mimicking the desire of someone else. And so um, I started testing this um, a, a couple months ago, and then specifically, really more poignantly, during this Advent season. And you guys, it is true. I started looking at my life and started going, why do I desire that? Oh, let me sit with that. Oh, oh, that person or this thing. And I started identifying why I'm desiring some of the things I desire. And here's the crazy part of it. Some of those things that I desire were causing unhealth and unrest in me. Yet they were things I thought I wanted. Or I would say this, things I thought I needed. And so I started kind of paying attention to this, and I'm going, this is true. This is valuable work that we can do as human beings and going, let me think about this desire and where does it come from? Because there's a pure desire it's in every single one of us. You are made. I am made um, in a very unique and, and specific way that is to be a gift to the world and a blessing to the world. And that's what Advent is all about, coming back home to that and going, this is it. This is what I'm to give my life to. This is what I'm to give my energy to. But I wonder, what are the things that are distracting? What are the things that are in the way that when I really do a little deeper research on it, it's not even something... A desire that I really have is a desire that I saw someone else want, and now I want it too. It's crazy. But maybe that's the gift of this season, and maybe that's something that you can think a little more deeply about. Has anybody seen um, or heard about the Wish app that's out? Anybody? I just, like, and I, I heard it from a parent that has two girls, and here's what this app is. You download this Wish app, and um, you could put in there, I'm a 15-year-old uh, girl, you know, um, in high school. And it will take you to all these different websites. It'll suggest things that you could wish for or things that you could want. And so what some kids are doing and parents are doing with their kids is download this app. Let me know what you want for Christmas. But this particular father told me he had two girls and he jumped on their wish list and there was 157 items because this wish app... It asks you your age, and it'll suggest things. So I can imagine you get on there, you're going, oh, I didn't know I want that. Yeah, let me add that. Or, oh, how about this? Did you want this? Yeah, I do want that. But there are actual things on our phones because the truth is we don't really know what we desire. Um, I go down the potato chip aisle, and I am like a frozen crab. Like I go there wanting to get one thing, but you're seeing all these options. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, okay, I thought I wanted this, but maybe I want that. And I don't know if you guys have the same kind of experience, but we live in a world, um, and maybe some of you experience it in this way. How about in a car with people you love, where we can go to eat? 
and you're trying to figure out what you truly desire, uh, or how about sitting down with Netflix? Debbie and I will sit down for two hours trying to decide what we want to watch, and then we just give up. We wasted our time trying to find something to watch and didn't watch anything. By the way, we broke through yesterday and we started watching some Christmas movies, which were just amazing. So we had a lot of fun yesterday. Yeah, but here's my point. My point is this, is that we often, a lot, I mean, I'm speaking for me, but I think it's true for a lot of us in our humanity. We really don't know what we desire. And the gift of Advent is to wrestle with that and to tap into it because we are just like these ancient people. We, in some ways, have found ourselves enslaved and entrapped by our desires, trapped by things that we've given ourselves to, and we found out in some way, yeah, that didn't, it didn't satisfy. In fact, now, now I've got to find a way to shake this thing off. Um, or we... You know, we just make decisions in our freedom that put us in that position. Some of us in here, um, you know, there are things that we didn't, that have happened to us. It could be sickness, you know, um, it could be some tragic thing that happens in your home. There's things that you didn't bring on yourself. So there is a desire to be free from the pain of that or just to come to terms with it and to live more joyfully and freely in the world. Um, so that's one thing. But then the other part of it is sometimes there are things, there are decisions that we've made and the desires that we need freedom from. And we just maybe need a new desire. Maybe we need a holy longing to trust more deeply. In. And I want to argue that that deeper holy desire is the true thing that will bring us all more satisfaction. So... Um, the Exodus is one part of the, the story here, and I think it shows us something of God's compassion and character, that he hears the cry of oppressed people and goes, I hear you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring freedom to you. And then you have the second part of this is exile. It's people messing up their freedom, losing everything they had, and being these captors to Babylon. And it's about what they do with their freedom and, the freedom, and they're suffering from the failures of their decisions. And um, when we get these stories in the Scripture, um, especially these ones when it has to do with our own doing, we're like, can we read something else? Can we read something else? Because that's just, that's not very uplifting. But the truth is, we need these two. Now, I want to make a turn. And then I want to take you to the end of the Bible in Revelations which seems like a very unlikely place to go for, uh, for a Christmas sermon. But, um, and I want to tell you a little something that happened to me um, this week. But before I do, I want you to note, the Bible begins with this creation story. God creates the world. He creates human beings. He creates all the things in the world that we live in, the, you know, all things surrounding nature. And the end of the Bible begins with this, ends with this creation story. So, first of all, if our faith and our Christianity thinks that God's going to abandon what he's created, or somehow human beings are bad, or the created world is bad, we're missing it. Because the Bible both begins and ends with God loving what he created. So any work that God is doing in between is trying to redeem and restore what he's created. So the Bible ends with heaven coming down. 
there was a verse we read last week out of Isaiah where it was this prayer of God, rend the heavens and come down. And um, this story is happening over and over and over um, through these texts. And here's what I hope. I hope it's happening for you personally. I hope you're having the experience of having coming down to wherever you find yourself. And here's what happened to me this week. I got a phone call because I've been praying this prayer. God, how, how is Christ going to arrive to me in a new way this Advent season? I got some things that I need freedom from. And, but I'm just open to your presence in any way. If I got to live with this, then can you help me cope with it? Help me understand how I could live with it in a way that I could live the life of God? Um, if there's some way that you could free me from this, I'm open to that. But more than anything, I just want to know you're with me. You're with me. So this week, I got a call from uh, the wife of a friend of mine um, that goes way back to a church I was working in. And I remember this, this family. It was a large church, and um, we would serve communion to about 1,500 people. And this couple helped me prepare communion in this church. Well, filling up 1,500 of these, we did 80 of them here, but filling up 1,500, you need some help. It's not like something you could do by yourself. It could take a long time. But this couple would help me. But anyways, this wife called me and said, George, she said, your friend, Jay, um, he's in stage four COPD, and he's just going into hospice care, and he wants you to come visit him. So I get that call, and I'm like, yeah, when? And she's like, okay, you know, two days. Can you come over on this day? So I go, and I sit down with my friend, and I have not seen him in five years. And the hospice care is there, and we sit down, and, and we begin to talk. He's like, how you been doing? And, like, I've, I've kind of lost touch with them, and so we were catching up. And um, he, was, uh, he was not feeling his best. But I felt this warmth, like this welcome in his presence, like he was glad I was there. And I could sense this joy in him. And I was feeling joy because I was with him. But um, after spending about an hour with him, and I was not expecting this, he told his wife, hey, go get George that thing I said I wanted to give to him. So his wife goes in, she comes out. And he has this little case. And friends, he, he gives me this. It's a um, sterling sil silver cross that he had wore for years. And um, if you know me, I don't wear this kind of stuff. Like, um, not because I don't love it. Like, this is one of the most beautiful images to me is Christ with his arms spread wide open because it's why I'm a Christian today because I think it's that kind of love that's going to heal the world. And he brings this out to me and he says, I want you to have this. And I said, oh my gosh, thank you. And he goes, well, put it on. So I put it on. And just knowing that I normally don't like things like this, and I normally don't wear things like this, I put it on. And it hit me. It hit me. George, you've been looking for Christ to come to you in all these different ways. Well, guess what? Today's a surprise. Christ has come to you in one of the, the most unexpected ways you thought of. And it hit me. And I just began to weep and smile. And I'm going, I... That was exactly what I needed, Jay. How did you know? And he said, you're my spiritual friend. And I could not think of someone else that I wanted to have this but you. But what he didn't know was this was my prayer. So when I left there, I just kept patting it. I'm going, okay, Christ, Jesus, this is unexpected. 
It's not exactly the way that I had thought, but I can't deny that this was a gift. And so I've been wearing it ever since. I'm going to wear it through Advent. And I wanted to share it with you because maybe the prayer you've been praying, the longing, the desire of your heart, um, maybe it isn't going to be answered in an instant like I hope mine would be. But maybe along the way, there are these beautiful reminders that you're not alone. And that prayer is in process. And that God hasn't forgotten. And that he sees the struggle or the pain or the wrestling that you're in. But what if we're surprised? What if it shows up in a conversation? What if it shows up in a meal? What if it shows up in a friend that gave me exactly what it is that I needed? The end of the Bible are these words of Jesus. And I'm going to ask... They're going to lead us in a song here in just a moment, and then we're going to come to these tables. And I just wonder today if the simplicity of this bread and this cup wouldn't be a reminder to you that Christ is coming to you too. And it may not be the full answer to everything, but what if you started here and you just received that as a gift? And what if it opened your heart just a little more deeply to the deeper longing, the holy desire that is within you. I think we can trust this ancient practice. We can trust this ancient practice of Advent to guide us into these holy desires and we can know what it means to live the life of God. Here's the words at the end of the Bible. The words of Jesus through this writer Paul. He who testifies to these things This is written in red. Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. That has been my prayer. I think if you think maybe a little more deeply, it just might be your prayer too. And you just need to know why you need him to come or why you're inviting to come. And if you don't right now, it's okay. Could you just receive these simple elements of bread and a cup and a juice, and through the love of people within our community, would you just receive this as maybe the first step toward the discovery of that? So I'm going to pray. Jesus, we hear these words that you're coming soon to us. And we all need you in unique, individual ways. And so would you just tune our hearts and open our hearts to your coming, that we would make room, that we wouldn't be so full of selfish desires or mimetic desires that have filled our lives because of what other people have, but that we might get more deeply in touch what was intrinsically given to us on the day we were born the reason we were given life, the reason we have been given the gifts and the energy that we have. And then I ask just communally, God, as we come this morning, that let this be the beginning of Jesus, you coming to us as a whole humanity, that we would learn to trust the simple ways that you reveal yourself and your presence in our lives and that it would fill us with hope, peace, 
and love to keep going. But we just open our hearts to receive what it is that you can fill these lives with in this moment. And we'll trust you to do some beautiful and good work. Be with us now. In Jesus' name.